Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. The greatness of his plan. You know, Pastor Nancy says that phrase a lot. The greatness of his plan. Well, we know that we have hungry people here tonight. I'm not surprised that the anointing came like that because the people are hungry. You know, um, there's been a, can I just say this? At the prompting of the Spirit, I wasn't planning on it. But the last couple months, almost every Sunday morning, only one time it's happened on Wednesday night, and that was at the very beginning. But almost every Sunday morning, either the nine or the 10 or the one, there's like something off. Like a heaviness, like a, like a dullness, like a lethargy, you know. And, and not everybody maybe picks that up, but, but I do because I'm the one that's, you know, I'm the, the priest of the service, so to speak. Do you understand? And, and so I, I started to ask the Lord about, Lord, why? Because the first thing he said to me is he said, well, when's the last time that you prayed for the meetings? And I didn't know that pre-service prayer had, I thought we had come back to it, but we hadn't because of all the COVID stuff. And then we started having that. So that was the first, and that's made a difference. Now only two, two or three people are coming to pre-service prayer instead of the 20 or, the 20 or so we had before. So I encourage you, uh, it would be a good idea uh, for you to invest in the service spiritually once in a while and actually come a little bit early and come from 9.15 to 9.45 in the vision room and, and join, bring your faith with you and, 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 and invest a little bit for, for the rest of the congregation. Amen. You've received so much and you're hungry. I'm speaking to the hungry ones tonight because only the hungry ones showed up. So the hungry ones may want to pray a little bit. Maybe the unhungry ones don't, but the hungry ones do. Praise God. So I encourage you, come to that pre-service prayer as the Lord were to lead you and prompt you because even if he doesn't lead you, you can still come because you're investing in the service. So that was one part that I know started to make a difference when we did that a few weeks ago, Lorraine. But you know, there was still, there was still other, uh, that didn't take care of it fully. And so I said, Lord, what, what is it? Am I doing something wrong? Am I missing it? Am I, am I not praying enough? Am I not preaching right? Am I, is there something with me? And, and, he, and I said, what, what is it? Is there a reason why there's that sense of, um, and he spoke to me and he, and he said to me, he said, what are the words that come out of my spirit when I was praying? He gave me the answer and he said, the baggage of the people, the baggage of the people. And I, he reminded me of something Kenneth e. Hagen would say, Dad Hagen would say, he would say that when he'd get into services, he could only go so far as the people would permit him. And people always put it on to God. Well, you could only go as far, preacher, as God would permit you. God would permit you to go all the way into the Holy of Holies. If, if, if It's not a matter of God permitting. God wants it. He's already given it. He's, he, oh, he's got an open door for you to come and dine and feast. It's the, it's, it's the minister and or the people that uh, usually the people of the minister has done the right preparation. If the minister is a slouch and doesn't do anything, you know what I mean? Is out playing golf all day or, or did, did, you know, just disobedient, no, no prayer life. Obviously, the minister is going to hinder the flow of the anointing. But if the minister is, in Dad Hagen's case, obviously, he was doing everything that he could do, everything in preparation. But the Lord dealt with him and said, you can only go so far as the people will permit you. In other words, the people have a massive role to play in what happens in the service. I think people come looking to the preacher for how the service is going to run. You should come look to yourself how the service is going to run. Because you set the tone of the service, not me. And he said, the baggage of the people. And then I said, well, Lord, tell me, what, what do you mean? And he started pointing people out to me. Of course, I would never, I would never, it's private. I would never say anything. And my job is not to embarrass. But uh, he, he highlighted somebody to me and he said, you see that person over there? He said, they're a hypocrite. I said, Lord, they're a hypocrite. He said, they're abusing their wife and they're sitting here with their hands lifted. That's what he said to me. Well, <laughs> I said, now that's called baggage. That's called baggage. 
and that's going to affect. He pointed out another couple to me. He said, you see them? He said, they're hypocrites too. And he said, they're going to leave your church. And they did. And he said, uh, they're offended at this, a tithing thing and that and the other thing. And he, now that's baggage. Right. When you come, but you're, you're, you're bound up with offense or you're bound up with hypocrisy at, at home. It's better not to come to church if you've been abusing your wife and you're unrepentant. Better you stay home. It's better for the congregation if they stay home. It's better for them if they come, maybe they'll repent. But it's better for the rest of us, they don't even come. Because that baggage affects the flow of the service. It affects the flow of the anointing. Then there was another couple, man and woman, the Lord highlighted, like uh, just highlighted in the spirit to me. Uh, and, and I know exactly, they're not here tonight, but I knew exactly where they were sitting on the day he highlighted. And he said, and they're offended with you because of a religious spirit on them. And, uh, you know, he doesn't always explain to me what exactly is the religious spirit like there's a religious spirit, but usually there's a something people have a mindset or there, there's an area that they're religious about that that spirit is, is causing them to have an emphasis on. I didn't know what necessarily, maybe a little bit I knew, but he said there's a religious spirit on them. And he said, now that spirit is affecting the flow of the service. So I said, well, Lord, short of kicking people out, what, which I can't do, what do I, what do, I do? What, what, how do, we, what are we supposed to handle that? And, and, and part of it, part of it is just, there's a measure, and I'm learning, this, this COVID has helped me learn some things. When everybody was together, there was still baggage. But there was more that didn't have baggage than that had baggage. And the ones that didn't overwhelmed the ones, the atmosphere, uh, the, the freedom in their hearts and their hunger overwhelmed and swallowed up that atmosphere of baggage from the others, which is why you didn't usually feel it when there was more people. But the Lord said, now it's spread out. There's a lot less people. And uh, the, the ones with baggage are not being outweighed as much. The atmosphere that is produced by baggage, do you understand? And by hypocrisy and by, and by evil spirits that are operating in people that are strong. I don't mean, listen, a lot of people can have a demon here, a demon there. I don't, I'm, a, I'm talking about when something is strong on somebody and it marks them. Greg, you know what I'm talking about. You've, you've met people uh, over the years here and you just come to me and you say, my God, there's, there's an evil spirit on that person and you know exactly what it is and I know what it is and it marks them. That's what I'm talking about. It'd be better for them not to show up because by them showing up, it affects the rest of the service because they've brought baggage with them. But the poor darling heart doesn't know that bless their hearts, Dad Hagen said, and their stupid heads. Their hearts are right. They don't know that they've got baggage. They're not trying to ruin the service, but there is a effect that comes because of their carnality and because of how they live outside six days a week. And then they think nobody knows. Well, the Holy Ghost knows. He don't need you to be perfect, but he does need you to be hungry and repentant and trying to live right. You may not be perfect, but you got to be trying. Otherwise, he'll mark you and let me know. No, I'm serious. This is called pastoring by the Spirit. See, people from denominational churches have no idea what we're talking about. Deanne, you grew up in denominational churches. You know, you know that they know nothing about that. All it is is hype and emotionalism. And the more you rile the people up and the more they sweat, the more God is there. And that's got nothing to do with it because we're spirit people. Not that we can't be exuberant and shout and dance and sweat. That's okay. But it's, that's not the mark of where the God's in the service or not. It's, it's, it's what the Spirit has for that service. And sometimes it's a raucous service. Sometimes it's a quiet service. Look at the flow in that worship. There was, uh, there was that flow. It built, it built. And then there was a praise. And then it went real quiet. He was very gentle. He wanted a real soft. I felt that. To do anything else would have grieved him. But then that seemed to lift. And I felt the Holy Ghost say, now worship me, son. Let the, build the voices again and let them worship the king. 
There's different flows to the Spirit, even within the same service. And you've got to learn to flow with that. But I'm just saying, I'm not trying to hurt anybody, but I'm just saying the reason why you may sometimes feel that heaviness or that atmosphere, it's because, it's not because I'm different. It's not because God is different. It's because the baggage of the people, like he said to Dad Hagen, you can only go so far as the people will let you go, as much as they'll pull on you, as much as they'll be hungry for it. I called Pastor Nancy some time ago, before COVID actually, and I said to her, Pastor, I said, if you, you're not a pastor anymore, you're my pastor, so I call you pastor, but you're not a pastor anymore, you're a traveling prophet. I said, but, but tell me if there's two things, I didn't say two, I said, tell me on a short list, no more than five, I said, what are the most important things that I need to pray about for the congregation? Out of everything that you could say, and there's hundreds of things she could say, right? But what are the most important things that I, that I need to emphasize and pray about for the congregation? And would the staff know this? And they pray, and I pray. And she says, oh, that's easy, Pastor. She said, by far, unequivocally, the most important two things that you need to pray regularly for your congregation is that, number one, they'd be hungry, and number two, they'd respond. She said, it don't matter if they're hungry if they sit there like a lump on a log. And then, you know, hunger, quiet, there, there really is no such thing as quiet hunger. When you're hungry, you open your mouth and stuff some food in it. Right? And then if you're like me, which my wife always says, you're eating too fast. And I say, shut up, thou woman. The Lord has given me. Shut up. You're eating too fast. And I, just because the steak is gone in, in 38 seconds, it doesn't mean that I'm eating too fast. But, but, but when you get hungry, Jenny, you, you eat too fast, right? It's not good for you. You shouldn't eat too fast. It's not good for your stomach. And my wife tells me she wants me to be healthy, right? But, but when you're real hungry, you, you, just, you, don't even really, you don't even really chew. You just mildly and then you swallow, right? When you're really hungry, you don't do the 94 chews that the doctor says you're supposed to do or 28 or whatever that ridiculous number is. By the time you get to that number, it's baby food. I mean, I don't want to taste baby food. You do one, two, maybe three, and it's down the hatch. Do you understand what I'm saying when you're really hungry you eat quick you open your mouth you use your hands have you ever seen the food jump in your mouth Taylor no I'm serious you 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 don't the food doesn't jump in you have to take the fork or your fingers or whatever you the the chopsticks I don't know who made those things they're useless but anyway I can't figure them out or whatever it is and you use your finger or this is the greatest utensil your fingers the Indian people know what I'm talking about because they like eating with their fingers like I do but you use whatever the utensils you need to use your arms and your hands and you bring it to your mouth you open the trap door you put it in and you eat and the hungrier you are the faster you do that so when you're hungry there is an action of the mouth and there's an action of the hands and there is a spiritual parallel to that in church when you're eating and when you're you need to open your mouth eat with your mouth open whoever told you that was that was rude don't know what they're talking about you eat with your mouth open Jenny when you're eating you say hallelujah amen glory to God hallelujah because I'm eating with my mouth I'm receiving it it's I know it's spiritual I know it's going in my heart and in my mind but just as there's a natural there's a spiritual you eat with your mouth and you also eat with your hands you can wave a little bit once in a while and, and people say oh I wanted to get up and dance but I didn't and I stopped and say why didn't you if the Holy Ghost was on you to do that then do it because that could release certain things and other people to respond right. She said, pray the people are hungry. And really what she is saying, Lorraine, is pray the people eat. But she words it, pray the people are hungry and pray the people respond. 
because she said, if people don't respond, the anointing wanes. That's right. Now listen to me, I'm trying to help you. I'm trying to help you because you're the hungry ones <laughs> and, 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 and you're good at responding. Now, she said when Kenneth Hagin came, remember he came, I was in the last service, the first services he ever preached, Harvest Family Church. I was in the actual last service on the front row with him sitting on the platform. And he preached on eight, eight principles of healing. It was wonderful. But in those meetings, that's when the lights went out and everything. Now that was when that was August. But just a little bit earlier, I think it was in May or June, he was with Pastor Nancy and Dr. Dufresne in California. And they were one of the last services, the last full cat meetings that he had. In fact, I think they were the last full cat meeting in a church without interruption that he ever preached. Then he came to Toronto and then there was the interruption. So he had to, they were, all the services were messed up. But the last full uninterrupted cat meeting while he was on earth was in Pastor Nancy's church. And she told us, Jenny and I, and she said it publicly as well, but she said, for, for a number of months before he arrived, I didn't just teach on the prophet's office. Yes, right. I taught the people how to respond. Because yes. it's one thing to know he's a prophet, but if you don't respond, that, that, when knowing that the prophet's coming produces a hunger. Yeah. Oh, I can't wait. I can't wait to hear what God has to say to us. See, that's a hunger. But if they come hungry, but they don't respond, they don't, they don't open their mouth and use their hands while the preaching's going on, and they're ultra quiet. It, 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 I know people don't understand this because if they haven't been taught, they don't understand. I didn't understand it no, for no. years. Jenny and I didn't understand it. But, if you, but she said if, if he would get up and try to preach without the people that may be hungry and they may be pulling on him, but if there's no response from the people, it will limit his anointing. His anointing will not be able to take him as far as what God's highest flow for that service dictated. And that lines up with what Jesus told him. You can only go as far as the people will permit you to go, or as the people are hungry for you to go, or as the people will respond for you to go. And the further you get, now remember he said out of all these years, you, remember, you remind me, I don't want to get the number wrong, but I think it was 80. Out of all the years, 70 years of pulpit ministry, he said the highest anointing he ever got to in the prophet's office, wasn't it 80%? He said 80% of potential power in the prophet's office. The highest he ever got was 80% of the potential power in the prophet's office. <laughs> and you know why? Because of the people. Yeah. The people. It, it, he, he's ready. He's fasted and prayed. He's had visions of Jesus. He, his entire life is God. There is nothing else. He's a man that sat in his chair and Pastor Hagen, his son, said, Dad, I'll see you in a few days. I'm going on it. I'm going. I'm leaving. Okay, son, no problem. Put, put him in his barca lounger, his lazy boy. He was sitting there and he, and he had his eyes closed. He was starting to pray and Pastor Hagen left. And three days later, Pastor Hagen came back and walked in the house. And Brother Hagen was in the exact same position, wearing the exact same clothes with his eyes closed. He thought he had died. He ran over to check his pulse and his pulse was still there. And then when he touched him, uh, Dad Hagen started to come out of it. He said, I thought you were leaving. He said, Dad, I've left and come back. It's been three days. What has been going on? And he was in the spirit for three days without food, without water, without knowing time had passed. And he sat there in the same clothes, no bathroom. I mean, God has to do that supernaturally because your body needs water. Your body needs bathroom. Your body needs things. But he was so far into the spirit for three days, he sat there. And I said, don't tell me it's Kenneth Hagin's fault that he only got to 80%. It wasn't his fault because he knew the spirit more than any other human being I believe that ever lived because he was the forerunner of this last day great revival. God revealed things to him special. But 
it's the people, the people's hunger and the people's response greatly limit or accent, accelerate the flow of the spirit, not the emotionalism of the preacher, but the flow of the anointing. Listen to me. When you don't respond to the preacher, you're not responding to the Holy Spirit. You need, see, people think it's just, now we grew up, we grew up. God bless their darling hearts and their stupid heads, like Dad Hagen would say. We grew up in church all our life, and we never heard one time, not at Evangel Temple. I never heard one time in South Africa, a great church, but, but you know, Pentecostal church, but never heard it once, never heard it once from Pastor Bud, never heard it once from any pastor I've had, never heard it from Pastor Coulter, never heard it, never heard it. I never, ever heard teaching on how to respond. Yeah. Never. So now we start our own ministry. We hook up with Dr. Dufresne, and we get there for the first service. Remember, we started the church in October, and uh, we went to the first camp meeting in January, and we're sitting there. Uh, you know, I, I don't know where we were, second or third or fourth row or something, because we're the new, we're the new fresh meat, the new kids on the block. Nobody knows us. Nobody trusts us. And so we're sitting there quietly paying attention, and Dr. Dufresne's preaching, and there's a man there on the second row. He looked very handsome. He looked very handsome. But he always wore a scarf, and I could never figure that out. He always wore a scarf inside, and that was the first clue that something's wrong with him. And I would say, why does he wear a scarf inside? We're inside. You wear the scarf outside, and it's not even cold outside. And then I noticed as the preaching started, to, he pulled this thing out of his pocket like this, and he'd start to do this. And I thought, oh, my God, we're, in a, we're, we're with the crazy ones now. We're in the zoo. This is, we, Jenny, I, what have we signed up for? I know that God's put me with Dr. Dufresne, but don't tell me that this is the kind of people that follow him because these are weirdos. No, I really, I, I was not happy, Taylor. I know you're laughing, but I was not laughing. I honestly thought, oh my gosh, what have we gotten ourselves into? We are, Dr. Dufresne's normal, but what is wrong with these people? Why do they do this? Why do they, I thought it was pride. I thought they were trying to get attention. I thought they were trying to let everybody see them. I thought that their hearts are wrong. They're trying to get everybody to look at them. We're not here to look at you and your scarf. We're here to look at the prophet. Sit down and shut up. The, I believe the best way to be was you got to be very quiet because you, out of respect for the minister and for God, you have to be quiet. You have to listen and you have to learn. And there is a truth to that. But the more he shook that handkerchief, the more uncomfortable I got. And then I saw, you know, and then you'll see Brother Ramos there on the front row. And then he'll, the anointing will come on him and he'll go... And he go beet root red, and he's half fallen off. And I thought, what is wrong with him? What is going on, Jenny? Do you know? I felt that way. And, I, and Jenny would look and say, honey, I know that we just, we just, we know God put us here. This is a little different than what we used to, but let's just be patient. Do you remember Jenny? I want to go to the bathroom a lot. Jenny, Jenny had virtual diarrhea, but no. she didn't have diarrhea. She was in the bathroom a lot, but. Uh, but I was in the bathroom a lot and I didn't have any bowel movements, but I had to go. I had to keep dismissing myself because I was the most uncomfortable human being in the world. I was so uncomfortable because I didn't understand what they were doing and I couldn't, I couldn't figure it out. And then the first service, the first night of the first service, we're in the back room and he sits us right opposite him and then we got the Ramoses and then, and then he starts to groan and travail. Now I was, I'm familiar with that, but not in front of 20, 30 people interrupting dinner. And then he starts laughing and laughing, and then everyone starts laughing, and we didn't know what to do. We just didn't know what to do. We were very uncomfortable in those early years. We really were. 
And, then th and that's just normal. I mean, that's yeah. JK. Yeah. Wait till the Holy Ghost starts to moving and they start to dance. <laughs> and then you see Basilicetic and he starts, one time he acted like a kangaroo. Then another time he acted like a peacock. He was doing this. I mean, it's just the most bizarre. I mean, if I was uncomfortable with the handkerchief, can you imagine what I was when the Holy Ghost started breaking out? But it took me a lot, but I kept my heart because I knew God had us there. And I kept my heart right. And Jenny and I talked a lot about it. Now, Jenny, to her credit, she made strides faster than me. She was able to receive it and accept it and then enter into it before I could. Because I'm a very conservative person. I really am. And Dr. Coulter is very conservative and he trained me in some ways to be very conservative. And, and so, but I'm naturally like that anyway. So it's not like me to be flamboyant. But it took a long time, but we got it, didn't we, Jenny? It took time to realize, because uh, I thought it was just emotionalism. And my first thought was Americans. No, I really did. I thought, it's Americans. You go in the airport, they're the loudest people in there. Most of them have cowboy hats, and if they don't, they're still, they're obnoxious, they're loud. They tell everybody what, no, I'm serious. On the plane, the loudest person's an American every time, in, in my experience. I'm not trying to attack them. I'm just saying they have no, they just seem to, I don't know. They just, they're bold. I don't know if it's boldness or no social graces or just they don't care, but they're always loud. And I really and honestly associated that kind of behavior with America. Not the dancing in the spirit. I knew that was God. I just wasn't familiar with how wild it got. But, but the responding during the preaching, I thought this is an American issue. And I'm not American, so I'm not going to participate. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to stand there. I'm going to sit there. Remember Jenny? And so that continued for a number of months, even a year or two. I think it was about a year. And then we, well, we're hungry, so we're down there at Pastor Jay's church. And we're there, and we're enjoying the service. And I'm, and I'm just, I'm, I, I don't really respond because that's American. I'm not an American. I'm not doing that stuff. I just listen. I'm getting it. I don't have to respond to get it. And Pastor Nancy called me out. Do you remember that, Jenny? She starts telling the story about candles, and I don't even know what she said, something about candles. Yeah, and, and all the gunk on the bottom and, and the candle, and it affects the candle from, you know, doing what it needs to do. And then she kind of looks at me, and, 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 and what she was saying, do you remember, was, you're the gunk. That's what she was saying. Your starchiness your embarrassment, your, I don't want anybody to look at me, might sound right from the perspective of, I don't want to draw attention, but it's really, it's religious. And it's not right. And it's gunk. It's in the, the stuff that accumulates at the bottom of the candle in the thing and all the greasy wax. And it's going to hurt you. And then she was looking at me and, she, and she's waiting for me. Now, I don't typically do this with people because you've got to be careful, and she doesn't either. This is one of the only times, in fact, I've ever seen her do this, and it was with me. And I'm the most <laughs> embarrassed person, so why would you do it to me? Do it to Laketic. Don't do it to me. <laughs> but she, she doesn't normally do this, but she, she, just, she just was waiting on me to laugh in the spirit on, on cue, which you've got to have a flow out of your spirit. Dad Hagen even said that. Yeah. You don't just laugh for the sake of laughing, just like you can't prophesy for the sake of prophesying. You can't just say interpret that. There has to be a flow of the Spirit. 
You know what I'm saying? Now you can start to generate, not with prophecy, but with laughter. You can generate that. You can start in the flesh and wind up in the spirit. You can show God you're hungry. And that's what she was doing. So it wasn't wrong, but you know, and so, and I, and I said in my mind, I thought, oh my God, oh my God, oh my God, oh my God, oh my God. She's asking me, I mean, I'm trying to process it while everyone's looking at me. She's trying to get me to laugh, but I will not laugh. I will not do it in the flesh. It's either the Holy Ghost or it's not the Holy Ghost, but how am I going to, I'm going to embarrass her. If I don't do this, I was thinking that. And, then, and I'm, I could feel, man, my blood pressure was so high. I could feel the sweat, my whole body, like I could feel the drips coming down under my arms. No, seriously, I was so freaked out. I was so stressed when she did that. And I said, Lord, you know that I am not a faker and I don't do things faking, but I know what she's saying is right. But how do I marry not faking it and doing it just, just carnally? And in the flesh, and yet receiving what she says is right because I'm too religious and I'm too starchy. How do I marry the two? And, and, and all this while she's looking at me, this is all happening in a matter of seconds. And I'm saying, how do I do this? And I said, Lord, I'm going to yield to you, but you better come because I can't do it. I can't fake it. I feel like a hypocrite if I fake it. And he was so kind to me at that moment, at that moment, physically, and it doesn't always happen physically, but in that moment, because I was so stressed and I was so overwhelmed emotionally, he had to do it physically, otherwise I would have missed the cue. But I physically felt something start to turn in my stomach, like a physical sensation. Something started to turn, and I heard the Holy Ghost say, uh, that's it, son, yield to it. So I said, I didn't feel like laughing, but I said, ha, 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 ha. <laughs> and I just, I started to yield to it and it started to bubble up and bubble up and bubble up. And I was laughing in the spirit, but on cue, which is rare. But the Holy Ghost helped me because he didn't want me to be rebellious to her, but he didn't want me to be a hypocrite and fake either. But he wanted me to understand that my quiet, reserved, starchy Canadian, uh, you understand what I'm saying? That attitude displeases him. And it took an embarrassing situation in front of an entire church and somebody I trusted. I would not have received it from another human being other than Dr. or Pastor Nancy. I would have just looked at them. That's true. Yeah. That's true. Rodney Howard Brown's brother came to Vanjo Temple. He stopped at me trying to get me to laugh and I just looked at him. I said, move on. Oh, wow. I did. I looked at him and I said, move on. And he moved on. Because you're not going to make me laugh, son, because you think I should laugh. I'm not, I, I'm not, I don't do jump through hoops on cues because the preacher tells me to. You understand? Now, if I was more spiritual, I would have tapped into my spirit and I would have seen if there was a flow there and started to enter into it. But I, I didn't know how to do that because nobody taught me. And if you're going to stand and embarrass me, I'm going to embarrass you. No, I'm serious. Don't, don't you stand and embarrass me. I won't permit it. No, I'm serious now. And I think a lot of people understand how I feel. But what we need to do is not what I did to Rodney Howard Brown's brother. What we need to do is what I did to Pastor Nancy, which is, Lord, I don't want to be the stick in the mud here. I want to open. I want to yield. I want the Holy Ghost. I just don't want to fake it. Help me, Spirit of God, to enter in to what's already in my spirit. Help me to learn to, to drill down and to get that gusher. That gusher. Help, me to, help me to figure that out. Help me to do it. Now, I'm saying all that to say this. It's one thing when the spirit is moving and you need to enter in. But let me give you a little clue because most, most people you're going to see Americans, they're not going to talk about this because they did this since they were two. They don't understand what you and I go through because they did this stuff since they were running around dancing and doing this since they were little kids. 
Most of them, if they come out of those kind of churches. But we haven't. We're all conservative Canadians, politically and emotionally. Okay? We're all conservative Canadians. So most of them wouldn't understand, Jenny, but I, but I understand because I've been through it. So I'm going to give you a little bit of a, a, a crib sheet, Coles notes, a little bit of a cheat here, a little bit of not a cheat, but a little bit of an insight into what makes it easier. If you don't ever respond to the preaching, you will find it very hard to respond when the spirit moves. Nobody taught me that. The Lord taught me that. In fact, Jenny and I, by the Holy Ghost, talked about it many times in that hour and a half drive from the airport to the meetings because I'd started to sweat when I got on the highway. Oh my God, Lakedic's going to be there. Oh my God, they're going to make me dance. Oh my God, I'm going to have to do the hanky. Oh Jesus, help me. And we would talk about it at length because it helps to talk out sometimes. Like I said, Jenny was further ahead than me. But I started to learn. The Holy Ghost started to prompt me and say, son, you don't have to worry so much. Just do the little bit that, I, that you know to do in the services. Just while the, you don't have to, not the whole Holy Ghost flow. Just as the preaching, just learn to say amen. And then just, and once in a while, just say glory. Wave your hand a little bit. And you say, well, that, that's, that, that's not necessary. Oh, but it is so much more than you realize. Because he's trying to get me not to respond to Dr. Dufresne. He's trying to get me to respond to him. He is going through Dr. Dufresne. So when you, well, I'm not going to let, I'm not going to, that's a preacher, that's American, that's cultural. No, no, the Holy Ghost is the one speaking through the minister. And he's trying to get you to respond to him. But we're so carnal, we just think, no, we're just, they just, the preacher wants me to respond to him because he's too insecure. Right. Now, sometimes there are insecure ministers and they're constantly saying, where are you? This is a Methodist church. What's going on? Raise your hands. Come on, hurry up. Say something. And in every six, three sentences, they're telling you that. That shows they're insecure a little bit. Either that or the church is dead and the anointing is being hindered by the people, so they're trying to get them. So there's a balance. But what I'm saying is most ministers aren't that insecure that they really need it. They're trying to get the anointing to get to its highest potential. And the more the people are hungry and respond, it, it's like it engages the Spirit of God and that anointing flows stronger and stronger so that the highest flow for that service, remember Jesus said to that again, every service has a purpose. Yeah. Remember when he appeared to him? He yes. said, every service has a purpose. And he said, there is, there is a highest flow possible for every service. Most ministers don't ever get into it because they don't know what the flow is. They don't know what the purpose is because they don't pray. They just do their sermon and that's it. But if you'll enter into my spirit, what is the highest flow for that service? You can enter into that if the people will enter in with you. The people have to respond. The more they respond, they're hungry and they respond. They engage the Holy Ghost in that preacher and who's in the atmosphere. He's, all, he's always around us all the time. And as we engage him, that anointing starts to increase. And then whatever God intended, the purpose of the highest flow for that service starts to happen. Amen. So we walk away full. We walk away with God pleased. And what God wanted to do, intended to do in that service is done. He doesn't intend to do everything the same in every service. He, it's, he, he has plans and purposes for each service. There's a book you should all read, Plans, Purposes, and Pursuits. It's when Jesus appeared to Brother Hagin. It's when Jesus told Brother Hagin, tell the people to stop clapping. Yeah. That's right. When they clap, it grieves the spirit. Yes. 
We're not in a baseball game or a hockey game where you clap. He said, you don't see one place in my word where I told the people to clap when I showed up. I told them to reverently lift their hands. Now there is a verse that says, we shout unto the Lord with the voice of triumph and we clap. And that's okay. In celebration, it's okay to do that. Okay, celebration, praise, it's okay to do that. But when the presence of God comes, you don't find one place anywhere in Old or New Testament where they clapped. That's what, that's what carnal, secular people do when they celebrate. Now, we can celebrate by clapping and praise, but we never, ever clap when the gifts of the Spirit are in operation. We never clap like the carnal people do in the baseball game when the anointing comes or when miracles happen. We lift our hands. But it took Jesus coming in person and appeared to Brother Hagin to tell him that he was grieved by the church. And he said, go teach the church this. And of course, you still don't. You still, I mean, how many churches do you... They don't, because not everybody listens to him. Not, even, not everybody even knows he exists, let alone read that book out of all the books. But these are things that pertain to the spirit. He is looking for a hunger and he's looking for a response. The response is, is, is listen, if you don't have the hunger, you're probably not going to respond. So the hunger comes first. So how do you hunger? Well, the more you prepare yourself for the service, Going to church, I don't know why, this is not even my message, but I just feel him prompting me to say this. But the, when you, you don't go to church the same way you go to the grocery store. And you don't go to church the same way you go, a lot of people are guilty of that. They come to church with the same level of preparation as they do to their jobs. In fact, sometimes their jobs have more preparation. Because they get dressed. Now you get dressed for church most of the time. I don't have to tell you that because we're, we're good at that. But a lot of churches, they come like slobs. They wouldn't even go to their boss like that, but they come to God's house like that. But that's not an issue that we face here. But, you know, they dress and then they, and they check and they, and they make sure that whatever work they have to do is done and they check their meetings and they look at how the day is supposed to be and they know they back up the time and they organize it and they leave early and they, and, and they know, they know there's an organization factor when people go to work, but they just come to church like they're going to the gas station. They just show up. And the attitude is, dance for me. Dog and pony show. Come on, preacher. Come on, preacher. Make me feel good. And, and really what you should do is you should lay the service out before the Lord like you lay your day out before the Lord. And you should say, now, Father, I'm going to the service and I'm asking for the highest flow for the service. And just as I know that I know that I have an appointment at 10 o'clock and then I have to go to this appointment over there outside the office there. Lord, uh, I ask that you'd start to you'd start to help me be skillful. Lord, show me what it is in your heart for this service. What will Lord, is it is it is do you have an appointment with us, so to speak, during the worship? Is there going to be something happening there? Lord, is Lord, obviously the word's going to come, but but. Uh, and you start to look at that service and lay it out and say, Father, what is your agenda for the service? Yeah. Now, he's not going to show you everything because you don't need to know. But he will, if you inquire of him, show you certain things about what he's going to do. But, if you, but you care about your day, so you lay it out before the Lord. If you cared about the service and you cared about receiving and the other saints that are coming and sinners that are coming that desperately need an answer, yeah. you would lay that out and say, Father, I, I pray out now a little bit for me to get what I need. Now, Lord, I pray out for the worship team and then he'll put different people on your heart. Maybe the worship team, maybe the youth, maybe the leaders, maybe this, maybe that. Now, Lord, I pray out for the unsaved people that whoever comes, that they would get saved today. Now, Lord, there's people that are coming that need healing. Maybe they're Christians, maybe they're not, but maybe he drops that on your heart. But in other words, you're praying out for different areas of the service, but not legalistically as the Spirit prompts you. You may be prompted to pray for live stream and somebody else is prompted to pray for the worship team. 
but that's good because the Holy Ghost doesn't need everybody praying for live stream and nobody praying for the worship team. But you can lay the service out, all the elements of the service say, Holy Ghost, how do you want, how do you want me to invest in this? How do you want me to be a part of the service? Because I'm not just coming like to a grocery store and where, where's the stupid cart and, uh, and you just get your stuff and throw it in there. You get to the thing and you check me out and you leave. That's how some people come. They just, whatever, whatever, whatever. I'll worship God, whatever. Just give me the word. I need to go. Hurry up, preacher. I got an appointment. It's an attitude that is dishonorable to God. And Jenny, when a lot of people come with that kind of an attitude, we wonder why the anointing doesn't do more. And then they turn it on the preacher and say, the preacher didn't pray. The preacher didn't prepare. But the preacher maybe has done all the preparation necessary. But the people, because they don't come with a hungry heart. See, if you pray out for the service before, that shows hunger. It shows that you're invested, that you're interested not just about selfish me, but about the person that's coming that maybe is not saved, about the person watching that maybe is going to commit suicide this afternoon, about the demon-possessed man that is watching, that is bound, that is thinking of coming, but he's too afraid and too embarrassed, and God can use your prayers to influence that watcher. He can influence, use your prayers to help that person as they sit in the sanctuary, and so much more would be accomplished if we'd pray, but more than that, if we pray, it shows we're hungry. We're not just showing up like to a gas station. We're showing up to God's house. Why do you think, Jenny, they had all those things in the Old Testament? They had to wash. They had to do this. There's all these things they had to have to show God that he was worthy and that they are worthy of his presence. And in the New Testament, yes, we don't have to go through the legalism, but there's still a measure of honor just because the legalism of the labor and the washing and the this is done doesn't mean you show up like a gas station. It's you got to find the balance. I don't have to go through the the rigid legalism of the Jewish law because Jesus did away with that. But I still have to have the heart of it. The spirit of it remains the same from old to new. The spirit of it. They did all those legalistic things to show honor. To show that he was worthy. And even though we're not legalistic, we do certain things. We pray, we dress, we come on time. We do certain things, not because we have to and legalistically that God's going to strike us dead if we don't. We do it because the heart of honor and hunger for his holy house and for his holy presence is still here today. And it's not going to end ever. When you get to heaven, you're going to be a lot more than you even are now because you're going to see him on his throne. You think you watch your P's and Q's now. Wait till the angel says you have an appointment with the great God Jehovah. Just wait for that day. And tell me if you're not going to make sure your shoes are shined and that you're on time and that you're saying, oh my God, like Jesse, you have an appointment with the great God Jehovah. That's what the angel said to him. And takes him, Jesse, why did he get it? (laughs) Jenny, what an honor. No greater honor for a human being than to see God on the throne. And he saw those elders bowing before him and he saw these huge angels. He said they looked like they were 18 to 20 feet tall. Huge flash. And he said they could fly and he could feel the wind coming as those wings came around him. And they were crying. They were circling the throne saying, the great God Jehovah, the great God Jehovah. 
And the, and the six-winged seraphim are above. I don't know if he's, I don't think he saw them, but they're there, the Bible says. And the four-winged, four-faced cherubim are beneath the throne. And these angels circle the throne, the Bible said. He saw those angels, and he couldn't see God. He could only see his hands and the bottom part of his feet. And he's on his face. He fell on his face because the glory, you can't stand in it. And he, and he had give, been given fruit to give him strength. One of those fruit, uh, special fruit, I guess. And he would eat that to get strength because the glory would just drain the strength out of him. And he would look up, just barely able to look. And as he focused at one point on God's hand. Now, I'm telling you, God did this just for Jesse. God did this just for Jesse. You don't think God knows he's there? God knows he's there. <laughs> he can see his hands and his feet. And, 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 and he sees this angel. Like that. The great God Jehovah! And he's flying like that. Oh my God, it gives me, it makes me just freaked out thinking about it. And he saw God's hand. I'd go, God did this just for him. And he saw his little finger on the throne, little finger. And he said it was the tiniest movement. It was like this. It was a tiny flicker, just a flicker like that. And as soon as that happened, an unseen force hit that 18-foot angel and knocked it right out of the sky and against the wall of whatever that sanctuary was, slammed it against the wall, and he crumpled to the floor. God did that just for Jesse to show him. You have no idea who I am. And here the devil, who's just an angel, thinks he's going to kill him. No, seriously. <laughs> I'm telling you. When you have an appointment, when your angel says to you, and every one of us, that will be the case at some point. Now, you don't get to the throne until you've gone through certain stages in heaven. You don't just get up there as a carnal bucket. And Jesse said a lot of people were waiting, had been waiting for years to get to the throne, but they hadn't, been, they hadn't learned enough. And the God won't let you even come near him, even in heaven, until you've learned some things. I'm serious. A lot of stuff that we don't know, but we've got little insights from people that we trust. Not cuckoos, but people that we trust. And Jenny, every one of us at one point in time in our future, God is going to tell us when we're there, when we're ready. You have an appointment with the great God Jehovah. You better be ready because you're going to hear your angel tell you that one day. I hope you're ready. Now listen, we have that much holy fear sitting here thinking about that great day. So, you, you, if you are going to be there with a great honor, how much, this is preparation, this is practice, this is preparation time on the earth. This is not wasted time, it's preparation time on the earth. Father, I know it's not as glorious and grand and dramatic as what I'm going to see, but I'm here now. I, I'm going to invest in this service. What, what, what is my part? Not just ministry of helps. That's natural. And do that. Not just tithing. That's natural. Do that. I'm talking about prayer. What is my part in this service? And I don't just mean everybody looking at you because you're going to share a testimony or give a word. I mean, what is your part to pray out for that service? And he'll drop something in your heart. Pray for Taylorton this morning. Pray uh, for the pre-service prayer. Pray for the live stream. 
He might tell you to pray for the operators, and then he might tell you a different time to pray for the watchers. And then he might specify and say, pray for the sinners that are watching. Then he might specify and say, pray for the religious Christians that are looking for a home church that are watching. There's so many areas God could have you pray for, but if you just take a little bit of time, I'm not talking about hours of praying and fasting. I'm talking about a little bit of time on a Saturday night or early on a Sunday morning and say, Father, what role do I have in this service? It shows God that you are, you're, 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 you're intentional, you're not rushed, you're not just showing up like a gas station or a grocery store. That he's more valuable, his house is more valuable than even your workplace or your boss. That you are taking time to invest and to pray to do your part. And it shows him that you're hungry. Then you come here having already invested. You're going to find it a lot easier to be hungry when you've already invested. And then the, uh, the hunger, that helps you be hungry. That's the, that's the cheat sheet, is pray before you come. And then, and then when you're here, there's other ways, of course. I'm just giving you one. And then when you're here, uh, it, it's good, it's very important, even if it's deep and even if you're responding and, in your heart and you're learning and you're acknowledging, but it's good that you show the Holy Spirit that you're hungry and that you're responding to Him more than the preacher by saying hallelujah once in a while. Even in the Bible, it says that you're giving a thanks, say amen. It's, even, it's in Corinthians. It's even an instruction to us. God tells us uh, when you're there, say amen. So it's okay to verbalize. It will help you draw on God. It will help you respond to the Holy Spirit. It's not as much the preacher or his, his culture or his insecurity that needs it. It's the anointing. The Holy Ghost is looking for hungry people and responding people so that his anointing can start getting stronger. And so, now you see the worship time. Are you still listening? The worship time, you responded to a measure. When you responded more, the anointing came stronger in the worship. Did you notice that? It's easy to understand when we're singing because when we give all of our hearts and we sing even more and our hearts pour out to Him, that anointing comes stronger. Why? The response caused a response from God. So, but what's the difference with the singing versus the preaching? Just because you're not as engaged, you're not singing, you're not speaking when the person's preaching. You're singing when, when you're, you're, you're moving when the worship time. It's easier to respond when you're doing it. But when you're not and the other person's preaching, you still are responsible to respond and engage. And the more you respond to the preached word under the anointing, the more you respond to the Holy Spirit that is, that is using that person to preach. The more you respond to the Holy Spirit, just like the more you respond in worship, the stronger the anointing will get in the service. And Pastor Nancy said, I didn't teach him as much about the prophet's office as I did about how to respond. Get the people hungry to respond. Get them to not be so stagnant and so cultured and so starchy and so conservative and so embarrassed. And get them, even right now I'm preaching to you and 80% of you haven't said a word while I'm preaching. I'm preaching, I'm telling you how to respond. And even in the service you won't do it. So some of you say right now, amen. Amen. You need to learn to open your mouth a little bit. And it's not cultural. That was my mistake until doctor and pastor and Jesus started to teach me, son, you're carnal, your perspective, your perspective is carnal. It's not about Americans. It's about the hunger and the responding to the anointing. They are responding. Don't rob them of that response. Mary and Martha, Mary's sitting there looking at him. Come on, Jesus. What, Jesus? And Martha's the one that's carnal, and she's blaming the one that's responding because she's working in the mind. And Jesus said, stop it. Yeah. 
What she is doing, she is sitting, looking, and responding to me. That is the best part, and it will not be taken from her. Yours, Mary, Martha, is the lesser part. Oh, you're running around in the service. Are you running around in your thoughts? In the service, are you the Martha doing your to-do list in your mind, planning your lunch? Well, I think I'll try quail this week instead of duck. Uh, what are you? Are you? Are you Martha running around in your mind while the preacher's preaching? Come on! No, Jenny, I'm speaking by the Spirit, because you can be a Martha while the preacher's preaching, and you can be a Martha while the singer, the worship leader, is leading, and your mind is running. And Jesus says, you're the lesser. You've picked the lesser. No, be the Mary. She's picked the good part and it will not be robbed. No, no. Mary said, Jesus. Mary responded in worship, Jesus. In the preaching, amen. In the worship, Jesus. In the preaching, amen. You say, but I'm not American. It's not about American. It's about the kingdom of God. I am a citizen of a responding nation. My nation responds because the kingdom of God suffers violence and the violent take it. They reach out and take it by force. You've got to learn. If you learn, more will happen. More will happen. Don't come to church like a gas station. I'm telling you, don't worship like a Martha. Worship like a Mary. It's all about your mind, quietening your mind, focusing your thoughts on what's happening instead of your job and all the other stuff. I know you're busy. I know everything else is going on, but you got to learn. You've got to learn. There is no such thing as multitasking during a sermon. (laughs) But I can listen. And I can do my to-do list for Monday morning. No, but you grieve the spirit because he and his word is far more valuable than your to-do list. You can do your to-do list later. It doesn't matter if you can multitask, you shouldn't. Do you understand? And doctor for a while was upset with me because he thought I was multitasking while he was preaching. And he came up to me at one day and he said, "Uh, what you're doing is dishonorable. I said, what? He said, you shouldn't be doing all those other, whatever you're doing on your phone while I'm preaching. And I said, doctor, he was not saying it by the spirit because he missed it. He was wrong. He misunderstood. I pulled out my notes and I scrolled. I said, doctor, look, sir, look, sir. All of that is just from the service that you preached today. And I said, now go back. I'll show you every service you've preached. I've got just as many notes. He said, I said, I can use my thumb faster than I can write with my hand. I can. I can type faster than I can write with man. I said, and you say so much. And Pastor Nancy says so much. I I can't keep up by writing it. And I I don't have a a contraption where I can type while you're writing. So I do it on my phone. Sir, I'm 100% engaged with you. And he said, oh, oh, I'm sorry. He apologized. He said, I I didn't know. He said, he said, I'm just used to people that just, they just, they're not there. They're there. They're not there. And he said, you're my son. I can't let you get away with that if that's what you were doing. And you're sitting on the front row. And the live stream cameras pick you up. I said, sir, I give you my word. I never do anything but write notes when you're talking. I'm 100% with you. Amen. So I know with electronics and some people, you're doing what you're doing. I trust that you're with me and that you're not doing something else. What I'm trying to say, and I said, Lord, as I'm preaching here, I said, Lord, it's not the direction I thought we were going to go. But I said, Lord, in my mind, I said, Lord, why are you having me talk about this tonight? That's not what I thought we were going to do. And I heard the Holy Ghost on the inside of me say, because of what's coming. I had no plans 
my sermon tonight was on boldness. Wow. That we need to be more bold. When it says, and they took knowledge of them that they'd been with Peter. They took knowledge of Peter and John that they'd been with Jesus. They took knowledge of the boldness. They, they saw the boldness of Peter and John and took knowledge of them that they had been with Jesus. That word boldness means frankness, outspokenness. In our vernacular, not politically correct. That's what it means. That's what it means. And then later that day, they're praying. Father, grant unto thy servants that with all boldness we may preach your word by stretching forth thine hand to you. So the way we're going to have boldness is you're going to do miracles. And that word boldness is the same, same word. Frankness, outspokenness, unafraid language. Modern vernacular, not politically correct. Because the, the devil is doing something through society to silence the church. As I'm telling you, it's dangerous. So God's been dealing with me lately because of the radio and because of what's coming and the anointing that's coming. He said, son, you've you got to focus a lot on boldness because you're going to feel pushback. You're going to feel pushback, hopefully not from my congregation, but some of the religious ones I will. You'll feel pushback from your own people, some of them. Hopefully they'll be the minority. You'll feel pushback from the people watching. You'll feel pushback. You'll hear pushback. You'll observe physical pushback from the politicians and the lawyers and everything else. But he said, and you don't say it unless I tell you to say it. You don't say stupid things and then you get in trouble because you were in the flesh. But when I, my anointing's on you and I tell you to say something, son, frankness and outspokenness and bold speech is required for the glory. It's required. And that's why a lot of churches don't have it because they're pussyfooting around and they won't speak. What did Paul say in Ephesians 6? Pray for me that I would have bold utterance and speak forth as I ought to speak. In other words, there's certain ways that preachers ought to speak, Jenny, and there's certain ways that preachers oughtn't speak. Yes, sir. And we got to divide what is the way I shouldn't speak and what is the way I should speak because bold utterance is how I should speak. So that's been rolling around in me. And, and I listen, let me tell you something. Pastor Nancy taught me something great and I'll close. She said, she, said, uh, she said it to a bunch of ministers, not just to me, but I take it personally to me because she's looking at me while she's saying it too, even though other people are in the room. And she said, uh, you don't ever study the Bible to get a sermon. Should you study the Bible to fellowship with God? I said, yes, ma'am. And she says, now, and you don't ever preach out of your index of sermons. You preach out of what the Spirit of God is emphasizing, dealing with you about, because that comes out of the fellowship. So you're in the Word because of fellowship. God starts dealing with you about something in His Word during the time of fellowship. And then you divide, is He dealing with me privately or is He dealing with me corporately? And then if it's corporate, that's your sermon. You don't go through an index and pick a sermon. You minister out of fellowship and what he's emphasizing to you in the fellowship time. Do you understand? So God has been dealing with me in my fellowship time with him from the word about boldness. Yeah. So I figured that's what he would want me to talk about tonight. But as soon as I got up, it's like he turned, the, it's like he changed the steering wheel. He went on a left turn instead of going straight. And I'm saying, Lord, but why? Because that's what you've been dealing with me about in my time of fellowship with you recently. But I, then I heard the Holy Ghost say, because of what's coming. Now notice, he said about the private things, Lorraine, about boldness. He's been dealing with me about boldness because of what's coming. Yes, sir. Yes. 
that's why he's been dealing with me. So at some point I have to preach it because he's been dealing with me about it. I thought it was tonight. I, I see in part, I know in part, I don't know everything. I thought it was tonight, but it wasn't. When I get up there, the anointing's different. It wasn't what I planned. That's okay. But do you notice the, the, notice the pattern? Notice the theme? Even though it wasn't the subject matter I planned on, when I'm saying, why are you talking about responding tonight? He said, because of what's coming. He's addressing multiple issues, Greg, because of what's coming. Because what's coming is going to require boldness, but what's coming is going to require responding from the congregation. What's coming is going to require the people not to wake up on Sunday morning and act like they're going to the grocery store. It's going to take a little bit of time, a little bit of investment, a little bit of, Lord, how can I help the service? What is my part to pray? God will touch every one of you. He'll show every one of you something to pray about for that service. Now, Gary, if everybody that came to the service was doing their part and praying before they came and coming with a sense of respect and, and honor for Jesus and hunger, and then was, as they're being preached to, say amen and respond to the anointing, respond to the Holy Spirit. If it, if it means something, if you're in agreement, open your big mouth and say something and put your hand up and say hallelujah. That doesn't sound important, but it's important to God because you're not responding to me, you're responding to him. You're showing God that you approve of what the preacher's saying. You're showing God you're in agreement with what he's saying through the minister. And the more you agree and the more you cooperate with your responding, the stronger the anointing will get. Because when God sees, oh, look at me, they're worshiping me, they're engaged, he gives you more. And when God sees, hey, they're, they're engaged with the sermon, they like what the Holy Ghost is saying through that preacher, he gives them more. Whenever you reach out, God reaches back. If you don't reach out in the sermon, he don't reach back that much. If you don't reach out in worship, he don't reach back that much. That's why the Holy Ghost was ruffled. You say, he doesn't get ruffled. He's sweet. He is sweet, but he can get grieved and he can get firm. And he was firm on Wednesday night about some of you twits that won't lift your hands and sit during worship. That is a dishonor to him. He is grieved by that. Now, the next morning, Thursday morning, Taylor said to me after worship, after prayer in the back room, he said, Pastor, every single person, 100 out of 100, had their hands lifted. But because of fear, holy fear. Well, that's good. I don't, I, I don't want to have to yell at you every week to get you to respond. But the, the Holy Ghost is grieved. Why? Because of what's coming. Uh-huh. Yes, sir. If we can't even get the people to lift their hands, Taylor, yeah. how are we going to get them to respond when the glory shows up? Amen. In fact, the glory won't show up because they don't want it. So we're trying to train you to come. Prepare before you come. Come hungry. Respond in the worship. Respond in the preaching. It's not emotionalism. It might feel weird to you, but do it anyway. I had to learn to do it anyway because I'm not responding to the person. I am responding to God. I am saying, God, I am in agreement with what your servant is saying. Hallelujah. When you get that revelation, responding will be easy to you. You think it's an American thing, it's not. You think it's an emotional thing, it's not. You think it's a cultural thing, it's not. It's an, and it's an acknowledgement and a hunger and a worship. It's in form of a worship to God. Father, I am in agreement with what you're saying to me through the preacher. Thank you for telling me. 
And I'm telling you, I have grown so much because the last time in January it kept me. I got so wound up with what Pastor Nancy was saying and I got my hand and I thought, this ain't enough. This ain't enough. This ain't enough. And I turned to my right and guess who's sitting there with the scarf? Pastor Lekedek. And I said, this ain't enough. And I pulled out my hanky and I said, glory to God. And he was so proud of me. He was so proud of me. He said, man, you were like such a wimp when you first got here. But now you're waving your hanky just like me. I'm not waving the hanky to be American. I'm waving it because I'm telling Jesus I'm in agreement with what your preacher's saying to me. I love what he's saying to me. Hallelujah. Amen. Preacher, you preach it. That's what it's about. That is what it's about. Father, we give you glory and we give you praise. There's a great thing coming. You told us. You told us. You gave me in the last week of COVID. Joel 2.21. You're about to see great things. And then as we started preaching in person, you gave me that revelation on July the 2nd, 1st and 2nd, about Samaria. And you said, you're about to see some things. You're about to see some things. There's a surging forward coming. There's a dramatic increase coming. They didn't have it one day. The next day it was there. It's coming, son. Now, this last week he said, can you see the glory, the glory storm on the horizon? It's coming. Now he's talking to me privately. Boldness, boldness, because it's coming. Now he's saying in this service, not what I thought he'd say, tell him to respond. It's important for the anointing because it's coming. He keeps Sandy emphasizing something is coming. Now listen, I know people that have impure hearts say, you're a manipulating preacher. You're always trying to put the carrot now. And you're going to just keep dangling the carrot every year and keep saying, it's coming. Just keep following me, you stupid donkey. Just keep following me, you stupid donkey. It's coming. That's not what the Holy Ghost is doing. The Holy Ghost has assigned seasons for certain things, and it won't happen if the people don't prepare and pray it out. So he's telling well in advance, it's coming. So that we'll do our part spiritually so that when the day comes for it to show up, we're ready. Arrow, we're ready. Hallelujah. The wine skin has been made soft and supple. Because if the new wine comes into the old broken down carnal fleshly wineskin, it will burst. The wineskin will be destroyed and the anointing will be lost. But when we as a wineskin, as a people are ready, when that anointing comes, it will fill us. The anointing will produce its job, will fulfill its assignment and purpose, and we will be blessed because of it. So we are getting the wineskin ready, Jenny. We're getting the wine skin. That's what we're doing. He's talking about it's coming. We're getting the wine skin ready. Now listen, I'll say this as I close. All of you here, I like to say city rats, but country mouse signs so much nicer than city rat. So I'll call you all country mice. All you country mice here that are here tonight, you came without an email to attendance at problemsoflife.ca. You came without an invitation. You came knowing you could be turned away. You came because you were hungry. So um, if just everyone here would actually do this on a Sunday morning and a Wednesday night, your lack of baggage, the atmosphere of 
the presence of God and faith and hunger that you produce around you will swallow up that negative baggage of the person sitting beside you because I'm telling you, you don't need that many people to tip the scales. But in our services, when you feel that thing, you know what's happening? The number of people that are not producing the presence of God is outweighing the number of people that are. That's why you feel it. But when they may, there's always going to be some carnal buckets, but when the majority of people are even just as, doesn't have to be 90%, could be 80%, could be 70%, but just more than the other group are responding and hungry, uh, it will overwhelm the negative. The negative, I don't like to say energy because that's new age and we're not new age, but the negative atmosphere produced, and it is by their baggage, their hypocritical, their offense, they're glaring at me. Some of them look like they want to kill me. I'm, I'm, not, I'm, not, I'm not joking you, Taylor. I mean, I mean, I mean like daggers. And what I should do is stare right at them and walk right up to beside them and just start spitting on them as I preach. That's what I should do. But I don't. I turn away from them and I, I don't want to engage them because it, 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 it causes, an, unless the anointing of boldness comes on me, it causes the anointing to wane, that kind of aggression. So I, I focus on people that hopefully aren't sleeping, but that are, that are responders, right? But if, if, if all of you country mice can just do it a bit more, you'll turn the tide of the other carnal buckets that don't. And let's just pray, not be mean to them. Let's pray that those carnal buckets will not become carnal buckets anymore, but they'll become glory buckets instead of carnal buckets. Amen. Praise God. Amen. Only reason they're carnal is because they're in their mind and their flesh. They haven't dipped into their spirit. They treat church like they treat their job or worse than they treat their job. They treat it like a gas station. I don't want to treat it like a gas station. You're not, you're going to go, Victoria, you're going to stand before God's throne one day. You're going to see him. And I don't know if that will be in the seven years or not. We got all eternity. We'll all get there eventually. Believe me. But in that seven years, I don't know how much we're going to, what we're going to be doing in heaven, marriage, supper, and all this stuff. But then we're going to come down to the earth. We're going to have our mansion, but we're going to be able to go back and forth. And Jesus is going to be on his throne in the Holy of Holies in Jerusalem. And for a thousand years, it is the Feast of Tabernacles. For the thousand years, he will tabernacle with man on planet Earth. And he will be on the TV. There will still be satellites and TVs. All that will continue. And people from all over the earth will be able to see Jesus preach every Sunday morning. He'll preach. The Bible says it. If you studied in Zechariah, it says that he stands up and he preaches from the Holy of Holies. People will watch Jesus on the satellite preaching. He'll, they'll see his face, his beautiful eyes. What we only imagine, Jenny, they'll see it. And we'll see it. Those people are going to have to be trained to show honor for him, even though he's physically present. That's why we're going to have rewards, Sandy, because we showed honor for him when we couldn't see him. We did it by faith. They don't have to do it by faith. They see him. He's on the television. Turn to Channel 3. Jesus is on. It literally will be that way. But I, ha I can't turn to Channel 3. When I turn to Channel 3, I see them mocking him. I have to show him honor by faith. That's why I have greater rewards than the people that are going to live in that thousand years because they don't need faith. They see him. I have to do it by faith, Jenny. So what I'm saying is all for all eternity, you're going to have to show honor to God. In the next dispensation, you're going to show honor. You're going to see him personally. In the, after that, when time ceases, eventually you're going to stand before the throne. You're going to show honor for him there. If you, don't, if you won't show honor, you won't be there. You, or you'll be in heaven, but you'll never get to that throne. We're all going to get there. We're all going to show honor. This is practice time. This is practice time. We're in earth, Brother Greg, to practice the presence of God, to practice honor, to practice how we respond to Jesus in worship, how we respond to the Holy Ghost and that we agree with Him in the preaching. This is our practice time. Practice good. 
because it's not going to be that long before you see him. I'm serious. Jenny, the day is coming. The day is coming. Next year, I'm doing a course on, on, on uh, one of the Bible school courses. I felt the Lord prompt me. He said, I want you to talk about what's going to happen in the tribulation. What, what's, not in a weird way, but just a scriptural way. We're going to talk about end times. We're going to do one course. I'm not an end times teacher, but I, I know enough about it. And, I, and I've got these wonderful graphs and charts and everything that will help you visually understand what's going on. And we're going to go through the whole book of Revelation in a Bible school course from verse 1, chapter 1, verse 1 to the last verse. We're going to go through the whole book and we're going to show you exactly in simple layman terminology so you understand what's going to happen. And it will give you an appreciation for Jesus because the Bible says if you, if you understand Revelation, you understand Jesus. The book is all about, read it in chapter 1, the book is all about him. It's not about the horses, and it's not about the scorpions, and it's not about the vials. It, it, that's there, but it's all a revelation of Jesus. I, well, you start talking about that, and you start, don't long for it too much, but you'll start longing to go home. Can I tell you something weird? Pastor Nancy was on the phone with me a little while ago. She said to me by the Spirit, she said, Pastor Craig, stop longing for heaven. She said, if you keep longing for it, you'll go there before your time. Because the more I study it, Jenny, the more I can't wait to get there. I want to stay for you and the boys. I want to stay for the church. But I long for heaven so bad sometimes. I just want to go there so bad. But Pastor Nancy's so wise. She said, it's, it's good. It's healthy to long for it. But she said, don't put too much attention on it. Because you've got to run your race. And if you keep putting that on, then you'll start to let go of the fight that you have to fight to stay on the earth. Do you understand? Some people die. Charles Capps could have got healed. But he, he didn't get healed because he, he gave up the fight because of the longing to see Jesus. How can you really blame the man? <laughs> Do you understand? So sometimes we have to just, we long and we look, but we have to keep our eyes fixed on him, but also on our assignment. Because otherwise we will let go the fight that it takes to run our race in victory. Does that make sense? But see, the Holy Ghost knew that. She didn't. I didn't tell her. She got that by the Spirit. God don't want you to go early. You got to fight to run this race. Fight the fight of faith. And if you keep always thinking about that, you're not going to want to fight the fight of faith because you just want to give up. You just want to go. <laughs> Praise God. Phil Haverson got so far in the spirit in a service, he just stepped over. His body dropped, his heart stopped, he was gone. He stepped over in a prayer meeting. He was in the spirit. He got so far, he stepped out of this realm and into heaven, and his body fell. Was he in the pulpit? He was in the pulpit, yeah. You can long for God so much that you can just step over. That's what, that's what there was that guy in the Old Testament, Enoch. He walked with God, and one day he just said, do you have to leave me? God said, no, I don't have to leave you. Well, then let's go, Lord. They step over into eternity. So just be careful you don't meditate too much in heaven because I need you here. Okay? We got to stay here because there's people to help and there's demons to cast out. But we're going to do this thing because it shows us the glories of what is about to come on the earth. My God. Congregation, thank you. You've been such a joy tonight. You've been nothing but a joy to minister to tonight. I can't always say that, but I can say that tonight. You've been nothing but a joy. It's not cultural. It's not emotional. Remember, it's you agreeing with what the Holy Spirit is saying through the preacher. When you respond, you're doing it to Jesus. You're not doing it to me. So respond more because he appreciates it and his anointing will operate stronger because of it. Amen.
and help me in the Sunday services like this. Help me a little bit more. All of you country mice, now you're all responsible. You're like a COVID group. Okay, now don't judge anybody else and mock them if they're not responding. You just set the example and respond. Okay, uh, Errol, take pictures, please, quickly, before everybody leaves. I take pictures. I want a list of all the names so that I can say, Oh, Tiffany, no, no, Tiffany, you are in that service now. Come on now, say amen. No, I'm kidding. We're not taking pictures. Praise God. <laughs> Heavenly Father, I thank you for our special service tonight. Lord, I thank you that what you keep emphasizing is that it's coming. There's something coming. We know it's the glory storm. We know it's more signs and wonders. We know the miraculous is on, is on the horizon. We know that the, great, the, the greatness of your plan is going to be fulfilled. Well, Lord, we're hungry and excited for all that you're doing. You've done many things already, and you're doing things right now. But, Lord, what is coming is going to be more dramatic. It's going to be more, it's going to be of a higher order and a higher flow. But the people must respond. They must be hungry. I must prepare myself. They must prepare themselves. We must come to your house with great delight and great hunger for you to move. And have great boldness as we talk to the sinner, as I do and as they do, not just me, but they need great boldness as they witness and evangelize, as they tell people of the goodness of God and of the power of God. So Lord, I thank you. These are just two areas, Father, that you're, that you're dealing with me about boldness and responding because something's coming. There's other areas as well I'm sure you'll emphasize in the months to come, but that's what you emphasize tonight. I know that we did the perfect will of God tonight. I know this is exactly what you wanted. It wasn't what I planned. It wasn't what was in my notes, but I know it was exactly what you wanted, Holy Spirit. So I thank you that your people receive it and they act on it. And this Sunday, they, they respond more. They prepare and hunger and they come and respond. And I thank you that we'll see changes in our services because of it. We'll see more souls saved, more bodies healed, and, and we'll just see the anointing level as a whole ratchet higher and higher. My God, and we thank you for it. In the mighty name of Jesus, amen and amen.